You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Murder in the First After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Murder in the First After Show. Hey everybody, welcome back into the AfterBuzz TV Murder in the First After Show Season 1, Episode 2, The City of Sisterly Love. I'm your host, Bobby DeMiro, joined as always, as will be for the rest of the season, by our great panel. Next to me, Marina, and across the table, our adversaries in that long argument last week, JB and Monsi. How are you guys doing today? Great. Excellent. Go USA. Go USA is right. How about that World Cup win? Although, I don't know if any of us really doubted it for a second. What's Ghana? Can you even point out Ghana on a map? Um, Ghana has beat USA the last two times. That is true. revenge It was revenge. But this is America. We don't point out other countries on a map. Come on. That's true. This is true. That's true. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Brazil. Yeah, yeah. I'll just stay out of this. I'll just cheer for Brazil when I can. All right, you're going to get a lot of hate comments for that, I hope. No. <laughs> Guys, before we get started, I want to say one thing about Maria's new book, The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness. She is obviously the founder of AfterBuzz. And I know that a lot of you guys love supporting us, and we really appreciate it. And if you're interested in this kind of thing, diet and fitness and nutrition and all that stuff, this is a great way to support Maria, to support us. We try to do AfterBuzz with as few commercials as is physically possible. So doing stuff like this is a great way to uh, support the network, and it's a lot of good information in this book. I see tons of great pictures. You can't go wrong with a picture like that. (laughs) And a lot of great information on that. And, And girls, I'm telling you, we have that AfterBuzz pool party. I think it's like four weeks from now. It's oh time God. to get crunch. Exactly. It's to, crunch time. Read yes. JB and I are ready. I don't know about you two. Though. Uh, yeah, well, I've definitely thumbed through the photos. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff in there. That is out. Barnes & Noble, every other bookstore, wherever books are sold, and online, places like Amazon. And it's cheap, and it's doing very well. I want to say it's like number three on the New York Times bestseller list, last I checked. So nice. that's not too shabby. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into The City of Sisterly Love. Mm. Right now here on Murder in the First, the second episode answered... Some questions that we had in the pilot didn't answer a lot of other ones, but let's start with the crimes because every show it looks like it's going to have basically two components, and that's the personal story of the detectives and then the crime component of what's going on. So let's start with those crimes, and the first thing I notice crime-wise in this show is when Cindy was killed. This isn't two murders we're looking at, Cindy and Kevin Nyers. It's three because Cindy was pregnant, which doesn't add much yet But it's just an interesting twist, and we actually probably should have seen it coming because we've seen enough crime shows to know stuff like this happens, right? Uh, But the first thing that I noticed about the crimes that maybe we should talk about is the district attorney. And I can't remember, Jackie Perez is her name, talking to the cameras about all these unsolved homicides and all this stuff going on, putting the heat on the detectives and creating tension with those detectives because she's out playing politics, trying to get reelected, while the detectives actually have a job to do and she's putting heat on them. So knowing what we know about the crimes later on and what happens with the investigation later on in the show, do you think that Mulligan and uh, English are completely under pressure because of what she said to the cameras? Or is it just business as usual for them investigating with slightly underhanded tactics? I think 
it definitely affects their work a little bit. I I know at least for me it would, you know, putting the pressure on them, but I don't think I don't think it's fully 100% affecting them. I think they care a little bit. They're tired that she keeps doing this to benefit herself, but and they're trying to, you know, put it behind it, but it affects them a little bit. Absolutely. I think it definitely affects how they kind of do their their job, basically. I mean, when the boss says something or gives sort of a, a mandate, you do have to follow through. But I don't think it's so much of a situational thing that it's that different from business as usual. Um, you know, cops, or what I know of, of how they work, is definitely with quotas and these kind of milestones to get certain things. I mean, you talking about the parking tickets and speeding tickets you've gotten in the yes. past? Yes, 100%. <laughs> As they seem to, I see more road um, cops definitely at the end of the month. 100%. Um, Absolutely. That's a little confirmation there. (laughs) Maybe more murders are solved at the end of the month. Exactly. It's just killers only attack (laughs) near the 30th, 28th, 29th. I don't know what day it is, but but that's an interesting point, and it'll be interesting to see how the detectives almost seemed a little resentful of her talking about the politics, but I kind of agree with you guys that they're veterans. They've seen this before. So I can't imagine them being too pressured for it, especially considering at this point, and I don't know what will happen in the future, it's not like we're dealing with one serial killer. They say the blowjob killer. That's kind of tongue-in-cheek, no pun intended, a joke. <laughs> um, but that was a good, pretty good... It was. It was. I loved it. I'll give you that one. But the blowjob killer thing is kind of tongue-in-cheek, so we don't have a serial killer yet, so the heat isn't on in the same traditional way. That being said... When Eric Blunt is involved, no matter what level he's involved on, and you start talking about high-profile murders of his flight attendant slash girl toy and his estranged father, then the heat does come back, I would think. I agree. Totally. Well, thank you. Yes. I'm with you. I just, you know, they're professionals. Like, they've been through... Are they professionals? Here's the thing. Like, in, in that position, they have to have seen worse. They have to have been through worse. So I agree there's probably a little bit of added pressure because of this what she was saying but they've been through this before it it can't change that much i i I see that they're professionals and they've probably been out this for a few years but it does seem that the show kind of gives them an out by building up their kind of personal lives as being so chaotic i mean um terry's life is is obviously in shambles from his wife just dying you know his um sister-in-law is obviously in a very fragile state um, yeah, hold on to that. We'll yeah, hit that yeah. exactly. We'll revisit <laughs> that in a moment. Um, and even Mulligan, you know, has stuff to deal with. She's a single mom. Her um, her ex husband. It seems that he's like an alcoholic or recovering one at least. Um, so there's definitely a lot of personal things that are clouding or kind of setting themselves up to um, muddy the waters a little bit between you know where does the business and the personal life. Uh, where are those lines, really? And that's a good question, is if they are professionals like we suppose them to be, and I think we kind of assume them to be because they're detectives and we take them at their word. We hope so. Yeah, they have to be <laughs> professional. And even though their personal lives are very difficult, the question is how do they balance that with the professional lives? And we know half the point of the show is it's tough to balance and we're going to see these stories, so stuff will come up. But I've got to wonder, something like Jackie Perez saying the heat is on or whatever, it can't be that big of a deal for them relative to what else is going on in their lives. True, yeah. And let's be honest here, everyone has problems. Everyone has problems at home. I don't care where your career is. So regardless of what is going on in their personal life on the show, you know, they still should be at their game. 
No excuses. I agree no with excuses. that. Play like a champion. And we do see them at their game at one point. <laughs> we do see them at their game at one point. Uh, the first guy, Walton, gets a deal. Gets that six-year manslaughter deal, which is interesting, but it also speaks to... One of the things that I like about this show, that I will compliment it for, is... They are going to go through the entire legal process, like we've talked about. It's not just like a law and order which goes through a murder or whatever it is. This is a show that will go through the crime, the investigation, the court case we're going to see a few episodes down the road, the the aftermath of that sort of stuff. And we're seeing right now how a lot of deals get cut in you know, witness rooms and mm-hmm. detective rooms. And I'm certainly no expert. I've actually never been charged with murder. I'm Lies. sure that shocks you guys. <laughs> uh, I don't know any detectives, but I watch a lot of First 48, which I think is a good window into that world. And a lot of times how these deals get cut is something like that, where, you know, the prosecutor doesn't want to prosecute a case, but they have a pretty good case. And the guy they have has a public defender or whatever, and they know they can cut him a deal mm-hmm. that works for both parties. And that happened to this guy, Walton. My only concern is... Involuntary manslaughter, whatever they call it, six, six years? years, and then he said like, you can blink and you'll be out. Well, what? in California, prisons yeah. are overcrowded here. He's gonna yeah. be out in two years. In two years, oh yeah. Wow. So if you have anybody you want to kill, right? Yeah. Hey, involuntary manslaughter, and just make sure nobody cares about. It. Right. Make sure somebody <laughs> nobody cares about, and you can get away with that. Six years is interesting to me. Um, and the public defender thing is kind of funny, talking about how he went to Stanford and oh, you're a public defender here now. This is what, what went you're wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. what, went wrong? <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, <laughs> but then after him, so so theoretically at this point, the Kevin Nyers murder is taken care of. Obviously, it's not. Yeah, obviously, it's going to come back. Exactly, mm-hmm. Blunt's involved or something else is going on, so it's not taken care of. But for all intents and purposes, until we get to predictions, Nyers is done, and let's focus on Cindy. Okay. Now. Cindy, they get a lead on her with the estranged husband, and they chase the guy. First off, 60 milligrams of Adderall a day. That's so much. That is so unhealthy. How what do you do, know? What, do you know what the average is? Genuinely, well, no, I I mean, what is the no average? Well, I have no idea I, what the average is. I just know that in my experiences with Adderall, it's been legal. It's not illegal. Don't worry, Mom. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you're so insanely focused. So I don't know what, I can't remember what the milligram dosage is, but if 60 is a lot... Whatever I was taken was awesome. In 60, you would be able to walk to St. Louis. You know, isn't <laughs> yeah. that what she said? Right. If you're walking yeah. to St. Louis or whatever, you just get so hyped up in a good way, but you're wired, man. You're in. So this guy is in, and then we see him in when they go to corner him. Now, and he's kind of wired already. Now, my question with the cornering, and I don't, again, I'm not a detective expert, but I'm just wondering about how how they corner him in this store and all the detectives supposedly are converging on it, and yet Mulligan is the only one who shows up. Mm-hmm. And the guy runs away from her, and it's over. Mm-hmm. And they have to chase him through this restaurant, and they have to do all this sort of stuff. Bad planning by the detectives? I thought they were all going to converge on him right in front of that store. Yeah, I think I am with you, because when they were like, everyone look alive, I thought everyone was going to be near each other. And then all of a sudden it's like, nobody's near each other? She's the only one with him? What? How, how did that go about? Uh, I think... Maybe it was just shot wrong, like the angle of it. Maybe we just saw it bad. I don't know. It, it, it didn't make sense to me. Either they were together or they weren't. It was very off. I agree with you completely. But, I, I, I mean, they got him. I guess that was the point of the scene. But I just, I didn't agree with it. It wasn't believable to me. It, it was, was not believable yeah. to me. They either. were together. They were together. And all of a sudden, look alive. And then everyone's nowhere near each other. Yeah. I. But, I mean, 
They say, you, you, you come down, you got center field, you go down the left side, and then they show up. She talks to him about the time for 15 seconds, and nothing happens. By the way, guys, our uh, engineer today is Marissa. I like to call her Professor Serafini because she knows everything about everything. We're talking about Adderall. She informs me that 60 milligrams is three times Whoa. the daily dosage of Adderall, which is 20 milligrams. Wow. So this dude is wired. <laughs> Man. But back to this thing, and I, Monty, I'm glad you mentioned the shots because the one shot that really surprised me on this, and I'm not sure I liked it. I like what it looked like, but I don't know if I liked it for the show, mm-hmm. was in the restaurant. When he comes into the restaurant, it looks like they're using a, Go, a GoPro to shoot it, mm-hmm. yeah. which was Definitely. cool, but no other shot ever has been like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, why, why now? Why just, these eight seconds? It didn't fit. You know, even though it's a cool shot, I didn't feel like it fit within the show and what they're doing. It was just like random two shots right there. Psh, it's it like gone. you got a new camera and you're like, oh, we got to try <laughs> this. <laughs> we got to play with it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a stylistic choice, uh, you know, to kind of make it a little bit more cinematic. Um, I wish they used that more to make it more of a connective theme because yeah. they just used it for that kind of 10-second scene running through the kitchen. It was sort of like the kitchen cam. Yeah, uh, it was like a security <laughs> camera. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I just, I didn't understand it. And I'm right. kind of like, where did this come from? And a little not believable. It kind of just was a little put together to, to jumbly. Yeah. I, was it, it, it didn't flow well. And then they both That's fall down like 30 stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then they both caught up. I just started. Yeah. Like, have you ever fallen down the stairs? Like, I haven't. I, I, I have. It. I have. Is it bad? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't roll around, though. I kind of just <laughs> slip and, like, went down all the way down. Oh, it was, it was, like, it was like you were sledding. Yeah, kind That's of. That's fun. Yeah, it was, it was fun, except it was in school and everybody saw it. <laughs> Excellent. Plus, right after that, he just kind of dusts himself off and Tay Diggs just blindsides yeah. him mm-hmm. on the concrete. It was, you know what that reminded like me of was Terry Tate, office linebacker? Exactly, Remember those yeah. commercials <laughs> where he'd, like, just deck somebody from out to the left or something? That's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And it's... And it, I know this is really subtle and really small, but I gotta pick at it because we're talking about how this scene, scene was a little weird. When the guy, Strauss or whatever his name was, Mark, gets up, he falls down the stairs, gets up, brushes himself off what you're talking about, and he pauses for like a second and a half and looks around like which way he's gonna run, and that's when Tay Diggs blindsides him. <laughs> it's, it's almost a little slapsticky. Like if he had just gotten up and it on the way running. up, yeah, he'd started running or he gets blindsided immediately out there. But that second and a half pause mm-hmm. to me was like, did they just cue Tay Diggs late? You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like did they did they just want to do it once with the stunt guy or with Diggs himself? And we're like, okay, it's good enough. We'll just do it and fix it in post. But that was second and a half, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Are you that disoriented? I mean you did fall down the stairs, but are yeah. you that disoriented? Yeah. It's like you got up quickly, so obviously you didn't you weren't thinking. Why think once you... And you're on Adderall. Yeah. If you're on Adderall, yeah. you're, you're a machine. You're on man. it. Like, <laughs> you're yeah, on it. a robot. <laughs> yeah. That whole scene, like I said, that whole scene is just Could not... have done better. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, let's talk... Speaking of these crimes now, let's talk DNA. Because they are doing... To extract DNA from these people, they're doing nothing illegal. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they are going into somebody's trash in their own home. I think a once it's yeah. trash, it's trash. But see, that's interesting. Is it trash in the home is trash? Or is yeah. it still your possession until it's on the street? Mm, that's a good I question. I think it's still your possession. Is it? Is. Okay, yeah, maybe. But, but they probably would argue... It's trash. You obviously already oh, oh they'll argue it. for sure, yeah. but yeah. they're definitely being very cavalier with mm-hmm. the rules. Yeah. I think. But they're... Jackie Perez said, "Do whatever it takes," mm-hmm. which we'll see later in the show when we talk about that date, date, whatever right. it was that uh, uh, Mulligan had. But with Mark Strauss, they do the water bottle, which is clean mm-hmm. to me. If you're going to drink a water bottle in a detective's room, mm-hmm. you deal with what you deal with. And then with the pilot, Bill Wilkerson, did you say his name was? Yeah, uh, yes. Bill. Okay, Bill. Uh, with the pilot, Bill, the trash in his house. 
And of course, he leaves to go get tissues. He can't find them, and then his wife leaves. And then they course. use the yeah kitchen. the tongs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put them back. So That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but but this shows to me talking about their professionalism again to go back to how professional they are with Perez. This shows to me that they are so professional, so experienced. They know the dirty tricks. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe a newer detective would have to be taught that or whatever. These two have been at it for a while. Nothing's going to affect them. So that Perez saying something to them in the way that it affects them will be interesting to see because they're clearly professionals if they're doing stuff like this to extract DNA in the way that they're mm-hmm. extracting mm-hmm. DNA. And they just haven't yet gotten it from Blunt, or maybe they have with what Mulligan did at the end of the show. Oh, we'll yes. see. <laughs> yeah, the old kiss and gum technique. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> maybe not for, the, not, the for for <laughs> not, not for DNA. Yeah, not for the DNA. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> let's go to, I want to talk more about Eric Blunt at the end, and specifically about him. So let's jump through all of his lawyer issues and through his interview with the detectives I don't want to hit that quite yet and go to this blowjob killer idea because that is provocative as it should be and we learned that whoever the guy was with Cindy was there within like 15 or 30 minutes 45 minutes max so that's going to narrow down the possibilities for the case with whatever it was and that'll be interesting down the road but it's also interesting with the media because now that they've established the media with Jackie Perez talking to them and they've established Eric Blunt as such a high profile figure it's going to be interesting to me to see if this blowjob killer thing or whatever it is gets taken out of context in the media and the heat really turns up on these detectives mm-hmm. it's I, I don't I'm not going to make a prediction yet but I think that's coming obviously with how with how the media is going to react to something like this. And I just wonder, do you guys think, knowing what's on in their personal lives, which we'll talk in a minute, are Mulligan and English prepared to investigate unbelievably high-profile case that would, like, rock San Francisco? I think... Well, I think Eric is trying to play Mulligan. You know, with the whole asking, asking her out for drinks at the end and playing nice after he threatened her. So I think she's she's buying a fight. You know, he's going to come after her. And like he said, he can destroy her. He, he has all the resources. He has all the money. He owns everything. So, you know, want it or not, money, money and power can get you very far. Which is crazy to think that somebody would say that to a cop. I have more power right. than this city. I will take you down. And it seemed as though it really took her. It, it, it hurt her or it affected her. Which was like, man, how many times do you guys hear that as cops from somebody so high profile? And I, I, I don't think they're going to handle it well. It's they're they're not handling it well now, and it hasn't hit its you know its peak. And imagine when it hits the peak, when stuff hits the fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that brings up an interesting question about Eric. Which Eric is the real Eric? The date Eric, who's a little sweeter but also manipulative, or the interrogation room Eric, who was just outwardly aggressive. We've seen him be aggressive a lot. We've also seen him be charming. Does he have a real Eric, or is he just a bad dude? I lean towards the aggressive Eric. I mean, he's very arrogant, kind of no matter what. He, even when he did go to the lawyer, uh, the new lawyer, um, he sort of backpedaled and you know went out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of does these things where he gets... Um, kind of covering his tracks and then, you know, just goes the other way. And I think that, I, I mean, I really want to give him more credit as, like, Draco Malfoy with his tricks <laughs> up his sleeves. But I feel like he is going to write his own end in this. Um, you know, he's trying to play too much too fast. And he's a little overconfident. I feel like 
um, he's going to try to play them as much as he can, and you know, in the end, they'll they'll get him. I have to agree with you. I think Mm -hmm. he's more bad than he is good, and he almost feels like trained. You know, somebody who is who got training to to change and to you know know how he's acting because every time, right after he flips out. He comes down to his senses, and he apologizes, and he tries to be sweet and nice, and he doesn't feel natural. Mm-hmm. You know, he feels like he knows he did something wrong, he got trained on what he's supposed to do, and, and he goes and becomes good. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree with both of you. I feel, I feel like he knows what he's doing. He, there's a reason to the madness, and he's orchestrating whatever it is he's going to get in the end of this. I think there's, there's reason to the madness. Because he seems crazy, bipolar. That's what he yeah. seems, right? Yeah. I think there's reason to the madness. That's what's interesting, though, if I may. Um, because he's so smart, and he's bragging about it so much, I feel like if he actually was as smart as he says he is, he wouldn't be in this predicament at all. Like, he would be so under the radar and not even being interrogated by the cops. And I know Eric's got special issues, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. You know, I don't know what the issue is or what the psychological thing going on is, but generally speaking... You are what you say you are not. Or vice versa, you are not what you say you are. Like, you've met the person who's like, I'm so laid back. I hate drama. (laughs) That's the most dramatic person. You know, am I wrong about that? The most dramatic person says they hate drama. So when Eric says he's smart, to have to say to somebody else you're smart or you're intelligent or you have all this power and influence, you're going to destroy the city, that tells me you don't. And you're overcompensating for something. So I will disagree with you, Monty, about this. When you say he knows what he's doing to an end goal... Mm -hmm. I think he thinks he knows what he's doing to an end goal. And he's so far in over his head, he can't control his emotions. And we see when he gets mm-hmm. angry and then he apologizes, the anger is the real Eric, which I think we all kind of agree on. Mm-hmm. And the apology is the lawyer in the back of his head and his advisors in the back of his head. And he begrudgingly realizes that they're right and they're right and they're right and I have to accept it, even though he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. But at some point, that anger is going to take complete hold, or maybe it already has if he killed some people. But that anger is going to take complete hold and he's not going to listen to the you know, voice in the back of his head. And then the crap's going to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Well, he could, there still could be reason to the madness, but that doesn't mean he's going to crash and burn on his way there. He might think there's that everything he's doing is logical and makes sense. That doesn't mean he's doing it right. Yeah. You know, but I, I totally agree with you that he probably isn't the smartest person. I just think he, he he's trying to manipulate and he's trying to be the puppet master of the cops and him and his lawyer and the city and everything. And it wouldn't surprise me if you're right, if he crashes and burns and falls and stuff hits the fan. What kind of a guy... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, I feel like he's trying too hard, too. You know, instead of just laying low, you know, in his corner... But he might want the attention. Have you guys thought about that? Oh, for sure he wants the attention. No, he wants the attention, but I think it's going to bite him in the butt. Yeah. You know, like why? Why did he have to go? <laughs> well, can can I, I say the other word? I don't know. Where's it? Where's <laughs> it? Where is it, it going to bite him? <laughs> In the ASS. <laughs> but that's why I think there might be some more at play here. I mean, it just doesn't make sense for him to be doing all of this. It seems like he's in so much trouble already. I mean, we're in episode two, and things have already exploded so much for him. I mean, he's being interrogated. He's obviously the number one suspect mm-hmm. at already. And so I feel like with eight episodes more to go, like, what else is going to un- unravel? Like, who else is sort of playing a role? I feel like he's, you know, definitely not completely innocent, but there has to be some others sort of playing against him. Remember my prediction last week? 
Yes. Exactly. That lawyer. I don't know. I, I'm telling you. I think it's uh, I think it's Bill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bill. I thought about Bill. Cold thing. I thought about it's a little Bill suspect. Yeah. I'm a little I think, suspect. I think, well, we'll get to predictions later. We can debate yeah. that later. Uh, but let's talk Eric now. Let's jump him up to the second topic, and we can go personal stories third because he's like the guy we want to talk about. Of him. course. He is just a, I call them a little bastard. Like, he is a <laughs> petulant little bastard, literally, literally because of his family situation, but also just the way he acts psychologically, emotionally, whatever. How can you talk to people the way that he talks to people? Not just the police, even. Not just Mulligan one-on-one in the detective room, but also his own lawyer, who, murderer or not, is a saint for having to put up with him in a lot of ways. That second defense lawyer, Warren Daniels, who is apparently a pretty badass defense lawyer, and Eric's just like, Sorry, bro. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Insulting. kick rocks. Um, and then his entire team, and we've seen this in the first episode, but just everyone around him, how cocky, how arrogant he is, how unbelievable he is. It's, I we're, we're made to hate this guy. Mm-hmm. We're made to think he's the murderer for good reason. We want to hate this guy. He's a bad character. But he's not really given us anything to like about him. Even in his lighter moments with Mulligan on that weird date, Still really uncomfortable. Oh, very creepy. Yeah. Very creepy. Not once have I liked this guy. Not once have I felt like, oh, your sweetness. I want to go on a date with you. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? This dude is tripping. And I, like, he's, he's, he's just so black and white. Like, he's so difficult to read. But I think that's the point. I think we are all supposed to be confused. I think that is the point of his character. We're not supposed to understand this guy. I hope so. That would make it better. Let's hope so, because if well, not, this would be a terrible show. Remember the last thing he told Mulligan in the detective's office before the date, the last three words he said? Get a life. Who says get a life? Who over 13 years old says get a life? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I, nobody. I nobody. Last, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope nobody. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the last time I heard that. What, 1999? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, who says stuff like that? But that's the point. He's cocky. He's smarter than you are. He knows better than you are. He has more resources than you are. But it's that question of, and this will be interesting to see, too, if they're going to go into startup culture. Because they have a lot with Eric. They have with this other guy, Mulligan, went on the date with to establish her dating history. Uh, A lot of these startups, there's a ton of money flowing through them. But when they crash... They burn. And so I wonder with Eric, because he's so cocky, smart, arrogant, financially savvy, whatever, I wonder if down the road a storyline will come up that he loses his money, gets sued, and, you know, has to pay down the river, whatever it is. And a lot of that cockiness is false bravado. Or maybe he's in financial trouble now. And a lot of that cockiness is false bravado, and he actually doesn't have any resources. And maybe that's why he goes to the cops in the first place, because he knows he has no cards to play, and he's trying to... Yeah. Get it away. Well, they did show the um, virtual reality thing that they're coming out with. Um, yeah. So, you know, with the setting in San Francisco, it's so ideally placed for Silicon Valley and sort of the hot new tech stuff. Um, obviously, there's a lot of the virtual reality stuff that's going to come out. Um, you know, the Oculus Rift, uh, Sony PlayStation has a model. So, you know, they are trying to play that sort of pop culture card. Um, but it's interesting to see... Eric, um, you know, as that calculated mind, you know, when he was in the interrogation room, she kind of, uh, Mulgan puts the water in front of him and he looks at it and he's like, oh, I see right through that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's these pockets of where he does feel better than other people. But I, I really want to see in the corporate life, like how he actually does act. Because in the first episode, we saw him sort of muscling the other guys. Uh, and it seemed like he really wasn't the brains behind everything. So I, I really wonder if maybe there's someone else in his company that is um, smarter than he 
and is sort of manipulating him in, in other ways. And, and to his credit, in a weird way, in that first episode when they come to his company to interrogate him or to question him the first time, he doesn't have an office. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're Mr. You know, CEO, young, whiz kid, whatever, you would think you'd have some sick office or you'd separate yourself. And he just works on the floor with everybody else, which is such an egalitarian thing for somebody supposedly so cocky. Mm-hmm. Now, whether he's doing it just for the image of it and just for you know portraying this certain image and this culture in the workplace, whatever, but it's still an interesting choice for a guy who's so arrogant and so cocky to be down there with you know the normal people. Yeah, and besides, who is going to know that he works from from no place? You know, it's not like his fans or the people that use his products would ever know. Yeah, he's not bragging about it, yeah. and nobody would ever know well, until the detectives question him about it. Well, he bragged about the email. Remember, he was like, oh, I have my email on my website. I want everybody to be able to contact me. I, I think that's a way for him to do that, but not having an office doesn't change anything. Nobody's going to know unless he's, I don't know, taking videos of himself and putting it on YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make sense. Little six-second Vine videos? Yeah, yeah. Something, something like that. All right, let's talk now about that date. Because this third topic, with all the personal lives of these two detectives, the date's the perfect transition because Eric's involved. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. What do you even say? Even knowing the objective of the date, even knowing at the end of the show why Mulligan went, the thing with the gum, the DNA, all that stuff, even knowing that, ridiculous. It was just so odd and uncomfortable to watch. Such a weird choice. When they say, do whatever it takes, <laughs> when the lead detective says, do whatever it takes to get the DNA, maybe they don't mean whatever. <laughs> like, maybe there are certain limits. Was she, was she going to have sex with the guy? Serious question. You want DNA? Well, I mean, oh, yeah. she, she has the kid, so mm-hmm. she knew that she had to go home and, and get her daughter. Um, but it is interesting, uh, in the interrogation scene, they sort of touched on it. But there's definitely not nearly enough connective tissue story-wise yeah. to just jump into. Oh, and all of a sudden he had her phone number. Like, yeah, he just called her cell. Just oh, hey, what's up? Yeah. You free later? All those resources like, he has. He just sent her a DM on Twitter. <laughs> By yeah, the way, ladies, found, if you're he listening, he found her on Tinder and they just <laughs> swiped right. Like, yeah, they both swiped right. That's unbelievable. <laughs> She is on those little social media apps. That's true. She is. Mm -hmm. And knowing him, he probably is too. Yeah. Um, But that date is so uncomfortable to me. The whole thing about it, I just, it would never happen. I know, like, we we need to suspend reality a little bit for any show that we do. And I do a lot of supernatural shows that we need to spend spend (laughs) a lot of reality. But something like that to me is, like, a veteran detective probably wouldn't do that. And jeopardize, I would imagine on some level that jeopardizes her career. Absolutely. And it also jeopardizes, and you two women can speak to this probably much better than I can because breaking news, I'm not a girl. But I feel like it jeopardizes her stature as a woman in a male-dominated workplace to use her gender to do this. Monsi, what are you thinking? I agree. I totally <laughs> with you. I, like, immediately, immediately as this was happening, I was like, really? This is what we're going to just immediately show a woman, uh, a woman doing this? Come on, man. And you know what's bothering me? Maybe if this was like a month into trying to get this DNA and it's like, okay, last resort, you've got to do this, you know? And it's like, they've told her, they've convinced her to do this, but it happened so like, oh, no big deal. He's like, you said, how did he get her number? Called her out of nowhere. And then she just, yes. Like the day of that, you just talked to him and inside of, you know, your interrogation room. Like it was so, 
slap in the face, Rem- I feel like. Remember, too, the, the portrayal of women on this show is interesting for a couple different reasons, and this would be a great thing to talk about right now, mm-hmm. because I know you <laughs> say a lot about this. But think about this. Not only is this situation going on, but immediately the scene before that, Mulligan was in the detective's office, and what was going on? Two women were talking about dating and sex very casually, mm-hmm. okay? So you have men on the job who are being serious men, except for the one... Uh, nutrition guy, that goofy detective. Yeah, yeah. he's I, on a juice cleanse. He's so different. Yeah. <laughs> but you got men on the job who are serious men, and then the two women who are portrayed in the detective's room are talking about sex and dating. Now, to this show's credentials, they were talking about a lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. A little progressive, a little bit different. Right. Even so, it, they're talking about something frivolous while everybody else is talking about murder. Then you see Mulligan get ready incredibly sexually, not over the top, but the bra, the boobs, all the stuff that she was doing. Red lips. The way she was putting herself up. We didn't know who it was for at that point. But getting together very, very sexually. We've got champagne. We've got wine and dine sort of stuff. She makes a point to say, I'm not on the clock, you know, whatever. We later find out she is. She's always on the clock. But the portrayal of women in this show, and then the other, the trump card we have... Is English's sister-in-law. <laughs> the portrayal of women in sex is interesting, and, and, and I think so far, just on episode two, a very negative portrayal across the board. Yeah, I don't understand the whole thing with uh, T- Diggs's sister-in-law. I mean, ridiculous. What did that do to the episode? What did that do? Nothing. All it did was throw women under the bus more. Yeah. You just lost your sister, and you're going to take your clothes off for your brother-in-law? Come on, girl. You're ruining women all over the place. I understand. That that right there was like, I, mm, mm, just, you, I can't. Jamie, yeah, go don't, ahead. Don't sugarcoat it. Tell us how you really feel. Jamie, take over. I can't. I can't. Oh, it's very sad. You know, we, society today, we're fighting so hard to have equality, to, you know, not have the, the sexes fighting each other and, uh, you know, saying things that are hurtful. And then you have TV shows where they go and they, they do everything. And... You know what? Sadly, it sells, and they know it, and that's why they do it. But it, it's so disappointing, you know? They can do so much better than that. And like you said, they keep por- portraying women, and I'm sure also men, in a negative way. And, and with the, te- with the uh, English, Detective English and his sister-in-law, he's portrayed as the strong one because she wants sex because she's vulnerable. And he says, no, no, this is the right thing to do. I'm the classy one. And then with... In, with uh, Mulligan, I know people are going to comment and say, well, Mulligan was showing sexual agency, and that's a good thing for women's rights. I understand that mm-hmm. argument, because she's in control the whole time. But at the same time, she used sex and her body and her look to get what she wanted when she's a very talented detective. Mm-hmm. Nothing has indicated to us. I know she has personal life issues, but nothing has been indicated to us that she's not a good detective. Agreed. She can use other skills, and she has with other DNA extractions with other people. With this DNA extraction, why does she have to go and be the quintessential, yeah. whatever you want to call her, you know, woman on a date just to get that yeah. DNA? And it's like Monsi said. It's not like she. they had tried very hard. Yeah. You know, they tried the water bottle that first time, and that was it. You know, they didn't even try at all, and they went for that, well, I'll use my body to get it. Yeah. And it's it's awful. Yeah, I just, I'm my problem was how quick it happened. Mm-hmm. If it would have been, like, a little bit, like, you know, you actually tried, I'd be like, just you go, girl. Maybe you three, go, you go in that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, make it seem like you tried to do it another way. But you just, you know... 
So you're saying you just don't let people fill you up and stick gum in your mouth until like the third day? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is that too much to ask for? I don't cool. get it. Now you guys know. <laughs> well, yeah, it is slightly disappointing because there are opportunities for the show to kind of take it the other way. I mean, uh, Mulligan as a character, as a, one of the main leads, you know, has that opportunity to be the exact opposite. Um, I mean, she's kind of tackling that guy. That's very untraditional female roles. Also, the DA agent um, is a woman as well. So, you know, they have all these opportunities to kind of do the flip side of, of what the traditional roles are. And it's sort of disappointing that they kind of fell into the, the mainstream and just like, oh, she's a woman, so she's going to naturally attract the guy and we'll get it that way. I mean, um, you know, on the date, we could have had any one of the other characters come in and, and take a glass that he was drinking from or, or yeah. some other oh, creative absolutely. way um, to get the DNA. Or use another woman as bait. Why does it have to be Mulligan? Why not, you know? Well, I don't think that helps the cause, though. Then we'll still be using women's bodies for, taking, for taking, the cause. Taking the glass is the best idea. Yeah. And it happens on every yeah. show yeah. and it happens all the time. The The interesting thing about this show, too, if we're going to talk about the portrayal of women and really the portrayal of non-white, non-men, because on this detective show, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, how many detective shows, and Rizzoli and Isles is one, but other than that, how many successful detective shows have their two main characters who are not white and not men? In this show, you've got a black man and a white woman. So you've got two minority main mm-hmm. characters in this show, and yet the way they choose to portray her is maybe not the best. And who knows how we're going to end up portraying mm-hmm. English. We will see, although so far he's been pretty, I think, portrayed pretty well. We'll see. But you have these two you know, minority characters. A lot of these detective shows, look at Law & Order SVU, white guy, white girl, you mm-hmm. know, with, with Christopher Maloney and uh, Mariska Hargitay and stuff like that. But this show has two a double minority leading two cast members, and yet they choose to portray her the cheap way, mm-hmm. which is disappointing. Agreed. And and frankly, a little bit lazy, but and a little bit weird. And we've hit that. Um, and then we've got English and his issues. We don't go into this. Is the other interesting thing about this show? The first episode was consumed right. with English. English's wife mm-hmm. and what happened. And then we just have a very brief resolution at the start that, oh, she died, here's the funeral. Here's four seconds of it. Okay, I'm cool with that so we know what happened. Mm-hmm. But then the only situation that happened is his sister-in-law comes and disrobes for him. Right. He's not even. He, they don't show him grieving or being upset, anything related to it anymore. Yeah, this episode had nothing really to do with English. If we wouldn't have seen him, the episode would have been fine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, had, he did nothing. You could have put any other detective there to just pick up <laughs> swaps. Exactly. Absolutely. He did nothing, which is cool. Maybe Tay Diggs was busy. <laughs> <laughs> I was very surprised at how well he was handling it, though. I mean, yeah. maybe he's going to blow up later in the season, but having just had such an episode in the first, in the pilot, to go straight to he's the most solid character, um, everything's hunky-dory, is is kind of a an interesting choice. Um, you know, it seemed like they had an opportunity to kind of make him more on the fringe, a little bit crazier. Um, I, I do appreciate how they play with the good cop, bad cop so much so yeah. that they were actually poking fun at themselves for it. I mean, they had... Um, Eric's lawyer kind of say, like, oh, well, you're just doing this routine and just completely caught them out, uh, which they admitted to. So I, I do like how the show can kind of bring it back full circle and say, like, yeah, that's totally what we're doing. Um, but at the same time, I feel like they're missing some opportunities. We'll see, though. I mean, two episodes in, there's a lot to go. I don't think we're missing anything else in the show unless something's off the top of your head, guys. I know we do have news and gossip coming I up. do actually want to go 
to a scene. Do it. I want to. Oh. I want to go to the scene with the pilot with uh, Bill Wilkerson. We mm-hmm. didn't really touch on it. Uh, I want to. I just want to mention it because when they asked him, they said, "Were you involved with?" Uh, we're talking about Cindy. Mm-hmm. Were you involved? He looked at his wife, and he then looked at For the sure. detectives and said, "Professionally." But it was weird. The wife was like intently listening, mm-hmm. making sure that she heard everything he said, every question they asked, and it just seemed a little off. There's definitely something there. I There's something there, too, and they establish it when they're walking up to his house because he had the Corvette in his driveway and the U.S. Air Force veteran plates. And I don't know if you guys have ever read, I mentioned this actually on another after show a couple weeks ago. It's a book called The Right Stuff by Thomas Wolfe. Mm-hmm. It's nonfiction. It is about John Glenn and the other Air Force pilots in the 50s who became America's first astronauts. And honest to God, it is a fascinating book. Read it. It's one of the best nonfiction books you'll ever read. It's great American history. The reason I bring it up is those pilots were daredevils in the air because they had to be, and then they were daredevils on the ground because that's the way they lived. And they did stuff like, and not all of them, but they did stuff like cheat on wives. They did wild car racing stuff. They did anything that could get their adrenaline going. And so they established this with this pilot in a similar way. You see the U.S. Air Force veteran license plate holder you see the crazy corvette car that goes really fast and then you go inside excuse me and see him maybe possibly cheating on his wife but it's a daredevil so he and i know jb this is your guy for the murders this is my guy he's a wild card he's a daredevil and you know he could fly off the handle too and i think that's what they established with that yeah I but just thought the scene was very interesting with the wife. Yeah. The wife didn't say anything. I don't think she, I actually well, don't remember. That's the dynamic. I'm yeah. serious. Read this book. The right stuff. It's so good. It yeah. So also good. a movie, I believe. Yeah, it right is a movie. Stuff. They made it into a movie too. And there's, I believe, a TV show coming out about a separate book with the same idea. It's called The Astronaut Wives Club. I think mm-hmm. it's supposed to come out next year. No matter though, another thing that they establish in that book is these wives kind of know what's, what's going now. on. And that yeah. that's kind of what I got from the wife, just staring like, what are you going to say now? She's yeah. very suspicious. Yes. Yeah. I'm good. I just wanted to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I definitely think there's something going on with Bill. I agree with you. I think there's something mm-hmm. else that we don't know yet that is going to pop up in the next few episodes. Yeah. Let's see. Hey, in Bill. the meantime, though, let's get to news and gossip. Exactly. After Buzz TV News. All right, I don't have any news today, but I know you guys do, so uh, get us started. Yeah, well, um, we saw the pilot last episode, which did very well. It had the biggest debut uh, for TNT of a new series in two years. Really? Um, So that's huge. Uh, 3.8 million people watched the premiere um, when it first aired at at 10 10 p.m., and then um, they got another million and a half about um, after that, because it airs twice for for the East Coast and West Coast, uh, which is great. I mean, it had a a good lead-in. Show so they kind of fed off that. What, um, what leads in for them? Do you know? Um, major crimes, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, and sort of sandwiched in between both um, premieres uh, for TN- both. TNT knows drama. They do. They know it very well. <laughs> so it should be their slogan. It's like, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's tweet them. Exactly. Let them know. Uh, just say, hey, I got a great idea for you guys. Um, but what's also interesting is that I read that when they were filming the show. Um, none of the actors knew, uh, they didn't have the full season script, so none of the actors knew how the show was going to go. So it makes it very interesting watching them to know that they're kind of figuring it out as they go along, and I think that the writers kind of wanted to play with that, making so no one knew what was happening. Everybody was sort of playing a guessing game, and that sort of keeps us in the dark as well. It makes it a very interesting show to watch, and you know everybody's watching it unravel at the same time. I think that can be a good and bad thing, right? Yeah. Because he has the 
the surprise part of it. But if you're the main actors in a show, I feel you'd want to kind of know what you're getting yourself into before you commit. Right. I, I, specifically for Eric's character, mm-hmm. I feel like it, it plays the most because, you know, he may not know if he's bad or good. So yeah. he sort of has to play that flippy floppy type of personality where he's, he's bad and good and, and like you were saying, Bobby, bipolar. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That goes, in, that's so interesting what you were just, both were just saying. Uh, Tate Diggs did an interview, I believe it was with CNN, and they asked him about why he decided to do this show. And he's like, me, it's just kind of like, do I want to do it? You take a risk whether it's going to be successful or not. I read it and I was into it. And they're like, what does it take for you to get into character? And he's like, really? Just the lines? You put me in clothes and I kind of become the character. That's what he said. And, and the, the another cool thing about the interview is that he was quoted saying, I'm not Kim Kardashian. Because he was saying that, I'm going to walk out of this interview, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go to the store, nobody's going to care. I don't have cameras following me. If I want to be seen by cameras, I have to make it happen. So it's different. He's like, I've made it, but I haven't made it like that. So it's just it's just interesting to see the different kinds of celebrities that are out in Hollywood. Because you, most people know Tay Diggs. You, you say that name and someone's like, oh, the guy from Rent. At least they'll say that. Yeah, something. Something. The, the, the guy that used to date Adina Menzel. Adele Dazeem. <laughs> yeah, Adele Dazeem. Adele Dazeem. <laughs> uh, you know, like, you know who he is. You might not know him like Kim Kardashian, but, you know, I would say in, in, in a different kind of way, he's more successful than her. Because, to me, Kim Kardashian is famous for no reason. Well, right. Tay Diggs does have a worse Twitter account. Like <laughs> oh, that, that is right. true. Although that, that actor's advice, that's such bad actor's advice from him, because he is a veteran actor who's really good at his craft. Mm-hmm. So you ask him about emotional prep, and he's like, I just kind of put my clothes on, I'm in character. If you're 20, don't take that advice. Yeah. Like, you have, to, you have to do a lot of work to get where Tay Diggs is. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're 40 or however old he is... Right. It is that easy. And it might be different. It Maybe if he was doing a theater show, maybe he's like, no, I actually, you know, sit on stage and I meditate. Who knows? Yeah. Because he is a musical theater background actor. He's not a TV actor, naturally. So maybe it's different. But Yeah, but- yeah I, I, I want to know if you do. I, wow, let me start that over. <laughs> so I want to hear him say the exactly same thing if he was playing a very challenging character. Yeah. Yeah. You know, then we would say, oh, yeah, I just put my clothes on and go. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, yeah just challenge accepted, Tay Diggs. Yeah, <laughs> bring it yeah. on. All right, is that it for news? You guys got anything else? Uh, I think that's it for me. All right, hey, let's move on to predictions. Love it. And now, you're after Buzz TV predictions. Who wants to go first? Oh, hell, I'll go first. Do it. My prediction is going to be the same as it was last week, same as it's going to be next week. I'm going to be a broken record. The lawyer. The first lawyer, not Daniel's, the defense attorney. That first lawyer with the ponytail is the murderer. Yeah, anyone with the ponytail. Yeah, just bad news. <laughs> well, Bruce, we got Bruce Jenner outside. He's in the next <laughs> so basically, you're saying that none of the DNA tests they do will come. Exactly. The lawyer is the murderer. I'm sticking with Bill. The pilot is the murderer for me. I think he had some tricks up those sleeves with that cold. Didn't buy it at all. I think he was planning those tissues for them to find. I'm very they, Yeah, they both uh, left the room Wait, so conveniently at the same time. So Bill's the murderer, but he was planning that his DNA would be found by them? Well, yeah, if he maybe um, had some way to put a different DNA on the tissues, he could um, unincriminate himself from the crime. Dun, dun, dun. 
Yes, the plot thickens. I Bill, like that. The mastermind yeah, behind you're everything. Very out of the box there. I did not think about that. Um, I'm very in between. I really don't know. It makes sense for both of them, honestly. You know, I agree with you with Bill. Just watching this episode, I, I would definitely say Bill. But that seems like the easy way out, unless he did the trick that you just mentioned with the the tissue and using different DNA. I don't know, but. It makes sense to not be Bill because then it's going to continue going and they're going to have more drama and figure things out. So I don't know. I might have to go with the lawyer. Based on the pilot, I thought it was Bill. Based on today, I still think it's Bill. But I am going to say that you might be onto something. Not because of what you said, but you know what? I find it interesting. Why do you need a second lawyer? Motive and opportunity. Why do you need a second Motive lawyer? Motive and opportunity. Why are you pushing him to take a second lawyer? <laughs> that is the one thing that I was like, hmm, maybe, uh, maybe Bobby's onto something. But I'm just going to stick with JB. <laughs> plus, plus that ponytail. I mean, that come ponytail. on. Yeah, yeah. That ponytail Versus team pilot. <laughs> okay, team pilot. One other minor prediction from my point. Mulligan will never again go on a date with Stuart Hornaday. <laughs> oh, my that God. Let's hope not. He refers to himself on the third person. Did you guys notice? Yeah, Bobby thinks that's weird. <laughs> oh, Bobby, come on. <laughs> Don't do this to me. All right, social links, guys. Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Where can they find you? Rena Brazil on Instagram and Twitter. At JB underscore Zimmerman on Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter and Instagram, Monsi Bolanos. And I'm at Bobby DeMuro on Twitter. I'm not going to give you guys my Instagram. Go find it. That's it this week on Murder in the First After Show. Thank you guys for joining me. That was fun. We'll be back again next week like normal. And thank you guys at home for watching with us. Remember, go subscribe on YouTunes and iTunes (laughs) and YouTube. There we go. If you haven't already, we will see you guys a week from today. Good night. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.